What is up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bitchin' Brew, a podcast which captures conversations about music and miscellany over a hot beverage. I'm your host, Danny Randon, and I thank you for tuning in on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Acast. This is episode number 18, and I know a lot of you are probably listening wondering, wow, bloody hell Danny, you uh, you got this one out quickly, you, you only put out an episode one week ago, and I'm, I'm on a bit of a roll, there's usually like a, a two, three, maybe like four week gap between episodes, but I'm just, I'm having such a lovely time recording so many podcasts at the moment, it's been awesome to see some very positive feedback for the uh, the last episode, the Failure by Design Records Roundtable, I'm glad you had as much fun listening to it as we did recording it. But moving on to uh, this episode of Bitch and Brew, episode number 19, it was recorded last month with Lucinda Livingstone. Uh, now Lucinda does many, many awesome things. You may know her best as one half of the band Kamikaze Girls. It's a great band who have risen up from the DIY punks in the last couple of years. One of my favourite bands of recent times. Um, They put out their debut album Seafoam last year on the label Big Scary Monsters. And if you remember from my Albums of 2017 special, Big Scary Monsters, uh, I actually named as my label of the year. And Seafoam was one of the many brilliant records that they put out in 2017 uh, that actually made it into my top 10 albums for the year. It's a sensational record. Um, I would maybe just go back and listen to the... uh, to the albums of 2017 special for my full review of it because uh, we've got a lot to get on with in this episode but uh, this was recorded in Brighton where Lucinda is based um, I don't get to go as uh, to Brighton as much as I'd like to for sort of various reasons, whether it's just time or money. Um, but I did have a date in the diary to go and hang out in Brighton at the weekend uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so I knew that I just had to get in touch with Lucinda and we'd met in passing but... Uh, we'd not really been formally introduced to one another, but we sat down, hung out for about an hour. It was really, really cool. Um, I was especially happy to record this right before Kamikaze Girls head out on tour. Uh, they're actually starting a massive run of dates in the UK and mainland Europe. They're going to be opening for uh, The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die. And it's awesome to see, uh, looking through the, the list of UK venues um, as such, I think these are going to be some of the biggest shows that uh, Kamikaze Girls have ever played. So it's really cool to see that. Um, the tour starts on Monday. So if you're listening to this on the day that it came out, it starts next Monday, March 5th. Um, starts at the Birmingham Asylum. On the 6th, it's going to the Brudenell Community Room in Leeds. Uh, on the 7th, it's at um, the Rebellion in Manchester. On the 8th, it's at the Classic Grand in Glasgow. On the 10th, it's at Newcastle University. On the 11th, it's at Thecla in Bristol. Uh, on 12th, it goes down to Brighton, playing The Haunt, one of my favourite venues. On uh, the 13th, it's going up to the Garage in London. Awesome to see that that tour is reaching a venue the size of the Garage. And after that, they're going to head out straight out to mainland Europe. I won't go through all the dates, but they're doing shows in Germany, Denmark, the Netherlands, uh, France, Belgium, Italy, Switzerland, the Czech Republic and Austria. And that takes them right up until the end of March. So if you are in any one of those countries uh, and you can get out to a show, please do. Because the Kamikaze Girls Live experience is 
Um, it's intense, but they just play with so much conviction. It's so loud and it's so, um, so wicked. Basically, I think is the is the only is is very emotive. And uh, if you can get out to a show, then I wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, back to Lucinda because um, as well as being the uh, singer and guitarist in Kamikaze Girls, Lucinda is also the founder of Lady Fuzz. Now, Lady Fuzz is a creative collective that uh, she founded a couple of years ago. Uh, They predominantly make these really awesome uh, punk zines. I've got the latest issue in front of me right now. It's got some uh, brilliantly funny and thought-provoking articles in there, especially this particular issue, issue number five I've got here, which came out in January some of the contributors for it include uh, Fresh, Catherine Woods, obviously, a uh, previous guest on the podcast. Uh, some stuff in there from Nervous and the Spook School as well. Um, it's, you know, it's got loads of stuff about music and guitars and uh, pedals and gear, but it's, it's also got some stuff about lifestyle and art as a sort of wider term beyond music. It's really great looking through this scene and seeing seeing it as a real labour of love, especially on Lucinda's part, because she's a a very talented designer. She does a lot of graphic design work um, uh, under the name Bloodflower. So it's just designed so well, but it still feels like a, still feels like a DIY punk scene, but I guess that's what it is at the end of the day. Um, But definitely go and check out the Lady Fuzz zines. Lady Fuzz is also now expanding to doing stuff like events. Uh, on May 12th at the Green Door store in Brighton, go- there's going to be the inaugural Lady Fuzz Fest. Now, this is uh, they're going to have loads of great bands there. There's going to be a record and zine fair there as well. Um, some of the bands that are playing, I don't have all the bands in front of me, but I know that Doe are playing and uh, Personal Best and The Winter Passing. There's loads of great bands on the bill and tickets are selling really fast for that so uh, I'll leave a link in the description for you to go and find out more uh, about Lady Fuzz Fest and on the subject of Lady Fuzz uh, Lucinda has been very very kind uh, to help me put together um, something very special not special for you the listeners of Bitch and Brew because we are offering you a discount code to use on Lady Fuzz's online store for one week only so one week since the release of this podcast on uh, Friday, March 2nd, 2018, I'm going to reveal the code halfway through this episode, but it will get you 10% off all Lady Fuzz and Kamikaze Girls merch available through that store. So stay tuned for that code around halfway through the episode. Um, before we get into this, I feel like I should maybe issue a small content warning because there is a little bit of talk, um, non-graphic talk, but talk nonetheless about sexual harassment and abuse within the music scene. It's been a very prevalent topic over the uh, last few months. Um, not prevalent, prominent, I should say. Um, we don't go too in-depth, but there is a bit of chat about it, and I didn't want to sort of hit anyone unawares um on the fl- on the flip side it's more about how uh like cis white dudes like me can get more involved in helping push the the uh, times up movement forward because that's one of the things I wanted to do as we went into 2018. I don't usually believe in year's resolutions, but I wanted to be more socially aware of what's going on um for for non men and you know to 
to basically um, be more understanding of what's going on in the world. So, you know, some of you may actually find that uh, quite enlightening. I feel that's um, that's probably enough for me, from me for now. Before before I go into this podcast, I want to play one of my favourite songs uh, from Kamikaze Girl's debut album, Seafoam. I'll play two tracks from it on this episode, but before... Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll play two tracks from this episode before I premiere the debut track from a new band called Talk Shop. So uh, listen out for that. More more on that later in the podcast. I'll talk about that towards the end uh, because I've gone on a little bit here. But in the meantime, wrap your ears around this one from Kamikaze Girls. It's called Teenage Feelings and Bitch and Brew episode number 19 with Lucinda Livingstone from that very band is coming up right after this.
What what sort of podcast do you like to listen to usually? I listen. Um, so at the moment, I'm on like a massive um, hype of like um, serial killer and paranormal ones. Right. I think everyone. Yeah. It's just my other half's like really into that, oh. um, so I have to listen to them in bed, like when I go to sleep at night, and. Um, I just actually, I went to see The Exorcist at the theatre in London. Right, what, the actual, like, The actual, like, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, And then I had to, I then came home and, like, went and listened to this podcast called That's Why We Drink, which is two girls in the States that do, like, half paranormal, half true crime podcasts. And, um, yeah, ended up listening to their podcast about The Exorcist. So it's more the sort of actual, like, narrative podcast you listen to as opposed to, like... There's another one I really like. Um, well, I listen to loads. I listen to Chris Gethard's one, Beautiful Anonymous, okay. that I know loads of people listen mm. to. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't. That's um, basically he has like an anonymous phone call with someone for a, for an hour. Like he doesn't know who they are, and they just wow. talk about whatever they want. Um, That's rude. Sometimes it's really dark. Sometimes it's like really funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Is there any sort of criteria that they that they can literally just be anyone? No, it's like it's like a phone call, and he picks up the phone, and he's like, "Hey, Chris Gethard here. Uh, who's this? What do you want to talk about?" And obviously they can't say their name because it's anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's a really good one. Uh, has yeah. there ever been anyone that's like pulled up and actually said? Yeah, and he them. just hung up on them. And <laughs> it didn't, and it didn't like that wasn't a podcast episode. It was just like that was an outtake. They were just like, "Oh, hey, my name's John," and he was like, "Nope, see you later." <laughs> yeah, don't want to know. No, I must admit, I I know loads of people really love the whole true crime and paranormal podcast. I've yeah. just never really found the one to get into. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I like like the true crime stuff more than the paranormal stuff because that stuff just freaks me out so right. much that like, I just get really scared. Yeah, especially because like my like my routine of listening to podcasts is like when I go to sleep or like on tour, like in the van. Yeah, and so it's very like insulin or like especially very, like, like if if you're in the van at night and you drive like through the middle yeah. of nowhere or like on an anonymous like stretch of motorway or something yeah, yeah. anything so, yeah the, I can I can stomach the paranormal stuff sometimes like mm. there's been like drives that me and Connor have done like at four in the morning <laughs> where we've put a podcast on and been like this is a bit scary <laughs> yeah have you ever like you, I, I assume you like need these podcasts like to get to sleep sometimes well it's like I, it's um, I, I sleep really badly right. um, like have really bad insomnia so like that's like a way to like yeah um, I try not to look at a screen when I fall asleep mm. like I always watch like loads of like rubbish TV yeah like um, I always watch Family Guy like oh, yeah. I don't know why everyone like, has their thing yeah like, everyone like we have all the DVDs uh, my other half and I, and yet we still like turn on ITV2 or like Fox every night and still watch Family Guy yeah. on TV, even though it's like censored and they cut bits out. And we have the DVDs with the full, like, unbleaked versions, but Just easy. Some, yeah, exactly. Easy, yeah, yeah, so I'll try, like, if I'm like in the right mood, I'll try and listen to podcasts so I don't like look at a phone screen. Mm. And have you ever fallen asleep and woken up and it's like giving you a spoiler or something and yeah. you're like, God damn it! Weirdly, weirdly, like, so two days ago, um, I actually woke up to someone breaking into our building. It's been really horrible. Oh, shit. Um, so basically, like, someone broke into the flat downstairs, like, right. a crazy guy. Um, he tried to get into, like, my flatmate's back door and 
basically smashed a window downstairs and got into a guy's flat and this guy started screaming obviously and we, we called the police we caught the guy he went you know all yeah. good like but um, when I woke up to the guy screaming there was podcasts still playing and I was just confused for like two minutes because I thought it was yeah. the podcast so I realised and then I called the police and it was fine but like yeah that was a particularly horrible version I think, I think that would freak me out because I, I don't think it's necessarily a fear of the dark I've always had a fear of the unexplained and yeah, like yeah. walking outside like at night where there's no street lights or anything yeah. for, for completely implausible things that would you know never happen but so I, I was always like that when I was a kid though like I was mm. always like I was like an only child so I was like scared of the dark and yeah. like I remember like I the house that I grew up in it wasn't like a two story house it mm. was just all on one floor um, and then when I had to move when I was about nine years old and like my bedroom wasn't on the same level as where everything was it like freaked me out majorly <laughs> Because you've just adjusted. Did, did you grow up in? Did you grow up in Leeds? Uh, Hull. Hull, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I like, yeah, I grew up there. I moved to Leeds when I was like sixteen. Okay. Um, and because there was not a lot in Hull. <laughs> <laughs> is that is, is Leeds where you met Connor, or was it before? Yeah, yeah. Like um, I met Connor before I moved to Leeds actually, because my my first ever pop punk band um, we did an in store in Zabby. Uh, like Zabby. Yeah. So oh like Virgin Megastore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we did in-store in the Leeds Zavi and he did the sound with his friend Ben oh right nice um, and that's how we met and then like we were at the same college in Leeds and yeah. stuff and then his band like uh, slowed down and then so did mine so we just ended up starting another one awesome and um, I feel a bit bad that like Connor's not here to maybe address what I was going to ask to open with yeah. uh, but the acoustic set of 2000 Trees the one that was actually yeah. in the campsite and how I, I managed to, I, for whatever reason, I couldn't catch the first half of the set. But I saw the second half of the set and the end song where Connor decided to take over and do his um, Flowrider cover. Yeah. It was, like, disturbing. It's come out so many times since that cover. He's always done it. He's always mm. played this acoustic cover for years. And it's it actually probably started around the campfire at Trees, like, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and he, he did it both nights that we did acoustic. I mean, I'm impressed that he knew, like, all the words. He only knows one verse. Yeah. But he makes it very apparent. <laughs> but he just does it all over, yeah. over and over he again. He kind of lives in Belgium, which is why he's not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he moved to Belgium... In September. In, around the same time that you moved down yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, it was like the same week. So how, how does that work in terms of, um, you know, managing the band? Uh, I don't know, because, <laughs> like, we're in... Like, the first band we started wasn't really this band, it was like a four-piece called Hearts and Souls in right. Leeds. And then after like, after like, maybe like six months after Kamikaze Girls was a thing, I actually moved to Brighton and then to London. So like, we did it then, and it's actually, it's cheaper it's cheaper for him to fly to England than it is for me to get a train or drive to Leeds. Really? So it kind of, it's, it's been fine. It's awkward for like one-off shows. It's awkward for festivals. Mm. Like there's just no way around it. Like it's just yeah. long travel days for either of us. Mm. Um, and like, cause we like don't start in the same place. It's not necessarily easy, but for like touring and stuff, yeah. it makes no difference. Like, well, like rehearsals you have to do over Skype or something. And we never practice ever. So. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it just doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> 
Well, um, I suppose I should probably do a proper intro at some point. So, yeah, Lucinda, well, welcome to Bitch and Brew. Hello. Um, <laughs> we're here at um, we're here at a place that you recommended uh, in Brighton uh, called Black Mocker. Uh, it's a lovely little quaint place. Um, how, how, so you moved to Brighton in September. Um, uh, well, why, why did you move to Brighton? Um, I lived here before, but like mm. only for four months, yeah. and I just missed it. Yeah, and that was just it. Like, have a lot of friends here. I like everything down here. Mm. Like, music's better. I lived in London for ages, but I wasn't massively a London person. No. So I like being close to London. I like being down south. Like, yeah. feel like I had more friends here. I'd lived up north, like. I'd lived in Leeds for like eight years and mm. I was kind of like ready to go. What what was the sort of creative scene like up in Leeds? Uh, it was it was it's definitely like getting better for like DIY punk and mm. like queer punk and stuff in the last like yeah. couple of years for sure. Um, I was I was only back there for a year, like just while I was touring, right. just because it's cheap to live there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, when I was there, there's like a cool DIY collective called Chunk, and I lived with uh, some of the girls from a band called Esper Scout, who helped run this collective called Chunk. Right. Basically, like they just took over a building as like a practice and recording space, and they put gigs on there. Mm. So like that was something that they didn't have the last time I lived in Leeds, and that. They they do have now so that's really cool so it's really improving in terms of yeah it's the, like it's not really very central or anything but yeah. it's a nice space and like more more people seem to be putting stuff on like I, th- I think for ages it just seemed like there was just like a massive pop punk scene and a massive indie scene and like now it's it feels like a bit more like yeah. mixed uh, I feel like Brighton is kind of similar in the way that it did have a massive indie scene and I think kind of still does yeah. <laughs> but um, around the time that I was you know a teenager sort of living about half an hour north of here oh, right. as has been discussed many times on this podcast there was always the metalcore scene down oh, here right, yeah. and I feel like with the rest of the metalcore scene that's died out yeah that's what I grew up in like the metal scene in Hull because yeah. that's all there was like so when I was 15 there was a certain venue in Hull called the Ringside right. uh, we'd all go to shows there and you know I was going there when I was 14, 15 and that was like the only music you could see in yeah. Hull it was like metal or indie was it like the full on arms flailing <laughs> oh yeah yeah like um, snapbacks like, and like everyone so there was a gift shop in the city hall in Hull and it sold like these t-shirts these white grey or blue t-shirts and they said um, they said East Hull East Yorkshire on them um, in like a vast font like a oh, college font yeah that's so so, like, that's so metalcore yeah. so if you're a hardcore kid in Hull the outfit was like one of those shirts mm-hmm. uh, some like green cut off like khaki kind of shorts and then like adidas like uh, are they like sambas like the black ones um, and that was like the uniform for like yeah. hardcore kids uh, the, the, in the, Hull. the uniform down here was probably like a drop dead snapback mm. a drop dead vest yeah this was before drop dead though because <laughs> right, like, yeah. I remember bring me the horizon playing that venue and Ollie had like pink hot pants and no tattoos so that was well before drop dead <laughs> showing my age um, was that when he was wearing like a clip on fringe probably yeah I don't know but um, <laughs> yeah there was that, that venue like that was all all I got and when I eventually started like my first band myself 
Yeah. All like the guys that played in my band were like from metal bands, so oh, wow. we ended up being like really like we ended up being like you know like early four years strong slash a day to remember, but with me on we, vocals. I reckon we could do an entire podcast on how good Rise or Die Trying by Four Years Strong is. Yeah, it's still amazing. It played, like Four Years Strong, like sort of like definitely like mashed stuff up a bit. Like yeah, I, they're a bit different now, aren't they? Like, they they were my first mosh pit oh, ever. Sick. Like it was four. It was the most amazing bill. It was the Easy Core tour, which was Newfound Glory. Crime and stereo. Crime and stereo. Yeah. yeah. Set your goals and four years drive. I went to Brixton Academy for it. I was at Nottingham for that. That was yeah, it was the amazing. craziest show. Yeah, that was that's still like one of my favourite tours that like came through. Like it's I never existed. I wouldn't say like I listen to all of that now, but like no. it's for, for nostalgic reasons. Yes. <laughs> Newfound New Glory are probably still one of my favourite all-time bands, and, yeah. and and four years strong, and and set your goals. I think the only one I don't listen to as much yeah. is Crime and Stereo. Yeah, but they sort of came back. Yeah. Um, they played Fest, the festival that we right. played in America last year, and they like opened, but I missed them because they were on so early. What, what was it like touring in America? I'm always intrigued by because I've I've never had that experience. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, it's it's definitely weird. Like the hospitality is different. Like promoters mm. are different, shows are different. Yeah. Um, like I would we've. Like I, I wouldn't say we've ever done like a we've not really done like a big tour there mm. like as in we've done like two months there yeah. like just DIY shows mm. but it wasn't like big venues or anything yeah. so I only kind of know like the the more like little punk venue was, type was thing. it last year's fest where Against Me played so yeah like, yeah oh, man. so like we went over for that last year but we've been going to America for like three years now and we did Canada one year as well. Well, um, and like that's yeah, it's definitely different. Like shows like run later, but like I don't know if it's the same for like actual big shows. So I don't know. But it's an experience. <coughs> like the first time we were over there when we did like we did like seven and a half weeks. We did the east coast and the west coast. Yeah. And um, that was like really like taxing because we it wasn't like nice conditions of touring but it was like so amazing we like toured with different bands had such a good time we toured like with a band called No Better on the west coast oh, right, yeah. and they had this van with like no seats no seat belts and so how did that work you just had to sort of crouch yeah just sat on the floor it was weird but like we saw like loads of cool stuff if we ever wanted to stop we'd just get out like yeah. all the drives are like insanely long it's all night drives yeah, I've been, I've been, well, I've been watching, um, you know, at the time we were recording this, I've been watching uh, Milk Teeth's uh, tour diaries out uh, in the US yeah. and, and the long drives as well. Yeah, because like, like, they're out there at the minute. I can see Billy's Instagram, it's just like 16 hours, yeah, it's like... Waffle House driving, Waffle House driving. Oh yeah, we have a Waffle House game uh, called Waffle House Punch. Which basically, when you see a Waffle House, you punch someone. Like, <laughs> not hard. No, just like a bop on the arm. Like yeah. pinch punch first day of the month. Or yeah, something. that's it. Yeah. yeah. For Waffle House. So that's been <laughs> that's been going for three years now. We've inflicted it on everyone that we've had to sit in a van. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> who's who's often the winner? Um, I don't know if the, it's not really a winner. This is just like a continuous like circle of pain. <laughs> It's like a particular area in America where there's like loads of waffle houses, and you just sort uh, yeah, of end up east. staring out, staring out the window just for 
hours on end waiting for the Waffle House. Yeah, pretty much, like, because there's one, like, every so many blocks, like, oh, man. In, on the East Coast. It's not on the West Coast. I've, I've, I can't say I've ever been to a Waffle House. <laughs> I've been to, you know, I've been to Denny's and I've been to... Yeah. If, um, if you're, like, vegetarian or vegan, then... Mm. There's, you can have bread and a tomato and a black <laughs> coffee. That's it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said about like I'm, I mean I'm I'm a, a omnivore as it were. I eat meat. Um, yeah. But uh, I went a carnivore. For a carnivore. Although I do eat vegetables as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm omnivorous. Oh, I see. Does that yeah. mean? Ah, I so don't just eat meat. Like uh, I don't just like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, I weirdly enough went for uh, a flat white with almond milk because I'd never had almond milk before, and everyone right. was saying it was it was really really great. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you vegan then? Yeah, yeah, I'm vegan. Um, I I remember. You I went with soy. soy. I didn't know soy. they had other options. Yeah. <laughs> I went I, like um, I think the only one of which I can't do is like oat milk because oh, it's just really? so sickly. I, I, yeah, it's quite um, it's quite creamy. Yeah. But like I never liked milk my whole life. All right. Like, so I never really drank milk that much and then as soon as I found out you didn't like there was like alternatives to put in your coffee but, yeah yeah I've, I, I reckon I could quite easily go pescatarian I was talking about this the other day I could yeah. easily go like just fish and if I lived in Brighton I imagine I could probably go vegetarian or vegan just because there's so it's many like so much stuff so yeah. many great like that's the thing though whenever it's been like about a year since I've properly come to Brighton and I feel like the longer time I've spent away from Brighton because I felt like the more and more times you come here the less sort of I don't know I don't know if enchanting is the right word but like novelty yeah yeah, yeah. it becomes less and less of a novelty and you sort of it starts to wear off a little bit yeah yeah and then it's, this is like the first time in a year that I've like properly spent down here and it's just so great again it's like the, probably the first day in ages it's not been raining as well so yeah. lucky <laughs> cracking day hello again everybody Danny here we're going to take a quick pause uh, from the podcast there if you like what you're hearing so far don't forget to subscribe to Bitch and Brew on your preferred listening platform whether that's Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Acast or all of the above if you're listening on Apple Podcasts then please um, you know leave a positive review it's vital to the exposure of independent podcasts like Bitch and Brew I'm going to play another Kamikaze Girls track in a minute and then the uh, second half of my chat with Lucinda uh, but first, as I mentioned at the start, Lucinda is very kindly offering you, the listeners to this podcast, 10% off orders from the Lady Fuzz online store for one week only. There's loads of great stuff on there, including the last couple of Lady Fuzz zines. Uh, there's some cool stickers on there. There's some T-shirts. There's some art prints, uh, pin badges. Uh, there's also some um, uh, limited uh, stock on Kamikaze Girls T-shirts, long sleeves uh, and patches. Uh, they're all at a very reasonable price. Some are as little as a fiver. Uh, you can get 10% off that though, an extra 10% by using the code BITCHINBREW at the checkout. All one word, all capped up, no apostrophe after the end, just BITCHINBREW and that will give you a discount of 10% off your order. And it will work on everything uh, except the copies of She Shreds magazine that are available through the store. But just pay full price for them anyway because they're fucking awesome. Um, this code is only valid until midnight 
on Friday, March 9th. And so when I say midnight on Friday, I mean the minute that follows 11.59pm on Thursday. Because I know that confuses people sometimes. So if you wake up on the morning of Friday, March 9th, and you go into the Lady Fuzz store and you wonder why that code isn't working, well, it's because you missed out. So go to ladyfuzz.limitedrun.com. Get 10% off at the checkout with the code BITCHINBREW for one week only. That's ladyfuzz.limitedrun.com and the code is BITCHINBREW, all capped up, all one word, no apostrophe after the end. Got it? Good. Right. Before we go back into the podcast and before we premiere that debut track from the new band Talk Shop, let's play another track from Kamikaze Girl's incredible debut album Seafone. This one's called KG Go to the Pub. You've got to listen to the lyrics on this one. It's a fucking rager. an all day later you brought like a load of uh, what what I can only assume is Lady Fuzz stuff along with you so um, what, what was the kind of uh, genesis of, of Lady Fuzz um, it's 
I did it when we were in the studio. Um, I started like designing it when we were in the studio, recording our first EP, mm. and it was just actually gonna. It was just gonna um, like go alongside the song when it came out. Right. Yeah. But of then, but then, like. It just expanded really quickly, yeah. and it it started out as potentially going to be a Kamikaze Girl zine like three years ago. Mm. But then um, I started like getting other people involved, and like I think my idea was that I'm an illustrator and I'm a mm. musician, and I wanted to like fuse the yeah. worlds together. Had loads of talented friends, met loads of people all the time mm. on tour, and it was just I wanted to fuse them together and make something. Yeah, and zines like zines hadn't really come back around but then started to um, yeah and it sort of was like really good timing because lots of people got interested in like zines and riot girl culture again so yeah i just put one out um contacted loads of friends interviewed friends and then um i've done like five now yeah. uh, we have a blog we put events on um we do like artist collaborations and make like merchandise so when- when you yeah. work with other, you know, artists or writers to put yeah. the zines together, do you set like much of an agenda in terms of what um, they what they want to write about? Or it's 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 very much like contributor led. So right. I'll just say that I'm taking contributions, and people will send me stuff, and then I'll I'll do a bunch of stuff myself. Um, like illustrations and I'll mm-hmm. I always interview the people I get in it um, yeah. and then yeah so it's not there's not really much of an agenda um, too much like I can curate the stuff that I want to go in yeah. it but then for any artists or writers it's very much what they want mm. to do um, which is cool it's like a night because I end up with stuff I never would have yeah. thought of so I, yeah. I ended up doing my first uh, zine like contribution the other day oh, cool. and it was it was really really cool um, I think it will be out fairly soon through Don't Fret Club for their oh, second nice. team yeah, yeah yeah the best um, and um, uh, I was trying to explain to my other heart because she's not like part of the like DIY scene you know she, she doesn't really get involved with it and I was trying to explain to her what a zine was and then I kind of just sort of stuffed and went oh it's kind of like a it's not a magazine yeah. but it's like a, a small book where people can kind of contribute articles yeah, and it's hard isn't it the, yeah. scope, the scope's so wide yeah. and it's I think that's what's that's what I actually really love about it though because mm. literally it can be two pages or it can be like 200 pages yeah. and it can be about anything in the world and it doesn't have to look amazing or it can look really polished or it can just be something that you like hand draw yeah. and give out it's it's and I don't know I think that's what's so amazing about it and it's and it doesn't even matter if you sell them mm. like you can just make one and give it away and you've used it as like an outlet to get something out yeah. of yourself or just do something I don't know it's it's re- you know like if you're a kid and you just like draw and you're just drawing because you're drawing yeah. you're just emptying your brain and it's like zines can be like exactly like that it's or they can be really like they can be really polished and put together and I like I like both sides of that um, I'm a bit of a print nerd so I really like all things print uh, I like Riso print mine through like a cooperative up north um, which is like for anyone that's not heard of Riso printing it's like digital screen printing right uh, so you can print <coughs> 
you can print different gradients of one color or you can print multiple colors so that for me was always like a really nice thing i like stuff that looks mm. nice so have you have you always been sort of an illustrator from quite a young age um only, or, or drawing at least only for like band purposes like right. when i was like 13 14 and in my first band and we needed like a myspace layout i had to like teach myself photoshop and how to design yeah. how to code and then wow. Yeah, so it's just, it's like self-taught from being about 13, mm. 14. Like, I always drew and stuff. Like, I always did art at school. But yeah. Like, it wasn't until needed needed to make my band look good on MySpace that I really uh, got, got stuck in. So all about the good MySpace layout. Oh, so yeah. if you haven't got a good MySpace layout, then, like, forget it. Yeah, when I was, like, 14, I used to do MySpace layouts for other bands. Like, oh. I was, like, so cheap as well. Like, people would pay like hundreds of pounds for like sick MySpace layouts and I just charged like 40 quid 40 quid yeah um, and I did one for Connor's band and I did it for 30 pounds and I went and took pictures of them as well so wow. like I was so affordable <laughs> that, that was like you when when you were sort of starting out as a band you would always like call on the friends to oh, like yeah. if your friend had a camera they were like instantly a photographer yeah. so it's like you've got a camera you can point and shoot and I've always I've always been very interested by illustrating because I, I, I wouldn't be able to consider I'd like give me something to draw now and I'd be completely lost but when I was a kid I was always like obsessed with like drawing up my own movie posters like big A3 sheets of paper and I'd, I'd like mimic a movie poster and like give it to my dad or something as a gift he'll probably be like oh great like, but like even the weird details like writing the actors names down on yeah. there or like the little PG symbol in the, yeah. in, in the corner and I don't know I, I think that's probably what started my like obsession with movie posters that's carried on today that's cool I had a, I had a similar thing but it's like it's not as credible as yours <laughs> like again only child syndrome I used to draw adverts out of the yellow pages like I used to copy them right so like I'd have the yellow pages and then I'd have like a piece of paper and then I'd draw all the adverts in the same style as exactly what I saw so you wouldn't like add any for right like variations in it or modify it at all you like for like yeah I I would look at like the movie poster for say a big film like the mask of Zorro and I would try and draw Zorro doing like the flaming Z or something I don't know why I wasn't yeah I wasn't really exposed to like anything of interest like for a long time I'm probably worried about me for like why are you drawing all these movie posters but I can't say that I've kept it going which is why I've always been like because you do a lot of graphic design don't you uh, with blood flowers so um, do you think being an illustrator is like a vital part of being a graphic designer I don't know I just like it I like drawing like really dark stuff as well and other people if other people like it as well then yeah. I'll do it for them I guess I don't know it's um I've just always enjoyed it mm. as I got more and more into it. Like I don't think you need to be an illustrator to be a good designer, but it, I think like the way the industry is now, it helps. Yeah, because I think you know with with my I you know I have a day job at the moment for the for the time being. I'm working for a newspaper, and I really love working with like Adobe InDesign and creating page layouts. And if you ask me to do that, like draw a box here and a circle there, and you know very basic elements, put some put. Some some text there and added like a different font there it's probably something that I'll be able to take to but if someone said right draw this and then recreate it graphically I'd probably be like 
Well, I don't even know where yeah, to start. I mean, it's just like a, a, a learning curve, really. <laughs> if it's something you're interested in, it's mm. pretty easy to get into if you've got patience. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been a really cool moment for Lady Fuzz when... Um, I, I, it, it, was it like a couple of years ago when Hayley Williams put the Instagram post of like the sad final? Yeah, yeah. That must have been really, really... Yeah. quite a moment for <laughs> I like I don't know I just she asked me to send her some stuff and I just sent it sent it through um, but it was like it was it was kind of nice because it like it was just good timing yeah like, it was cool like ages ago she like wore like my first ever band shirt on stage and in Manchester Arena and like asked people to check us out so I wanted to, yeah, to, to I wanted back. <laughs> I wanted to ask about this because it came up on the the Kamikaze Girls Facebook the, uh, yeah. the old picture of you on stage with Hayley Williams yeah so that actually happened you were you were one yeah. of those people that was I think yeah I think I was um, me and this other girl Rachel uh, were like one of the first for that uh, and then now it's a thing it's a thing yeah, you started yeah. it, like, it I, was... I didn't start it well <laughs> Haley started it but yeah she like it, over a few years like she, I sort of like I did like Paramore Street Team when I was like 13, 14 yeah. and like they're a bit older than me um, but I sort of grew up like doing that for mm. their small shows and stuff and um, I, every now and then I'd talk to Hayley over like Live Journal because mm. um, we use the same plugging platform and then um, we ended up getting in touch again like a couple of years ago through the zine stuff we set up an interview and then she was like oh sorry i'm like so busy in the studio like let's reschedule um i've just got to finish the album and then the album came out like a few months later so fair play it's um, crazy that but, um, new paramore album i mean yeah it's so good yeah um but yeah like we just we just sort of were, we've been in and out of contact every now and then since i was like 14 probably was it was it quite nerve-wracking when you went up at, i assume it was misery business that you yeah. that you did the that you did the bridge for yeah, it sounded awful <laughs> there's, there's videos of it floating like luckily no one's like labeled any of the videos like right. kamikaze girls or anything sounded bad um imagine that coming like, up on like tmz or something like it was like it was a nice experience for like a young girl that like you know that hadn't played mm. like hadn't had the experiences that I've since had now like it was yeah. like a cool thing at the time was was that quite tough when when you were when you were starting in these um, you know the bands before Kamikaze Girls I feel like something which is dying out now thank god um but the lazy comparisons of oh my God. Uh, bands with female singers to Williams. comparing it to Paramore. Yeah, it did, did my head in from day one. Like yeah. I remember the first gig my first band did uh, in Hull, a venue called The Lamp. Like I was in the bathroom and I could hear girls like outside of the cubicle being like, oh, she just wants to be like Hayley. I was just like, my God. Oh. Um, 
And then what, what sort of style was it? Because I've, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I've not it's heard like it. foyer strong with me singing, right. essentially yeah. like like breakdowns but poppy. Yeah, and um, had a bit of piano in it. It didn't really sound like Paramore, but again, it's a lazy comparison. Yeah. I feel like you should only compare them to Paramore if they sound like Paramore. Yeah, and it, I guess the thing was there were a lot of bands like trying to do that thing. Yeah, and like there was a lot of there was like a small handful of people at the time that I like started singing in a band that like gave me the confidence to do that and like I'd be lying if I said that like Paramore like weren't one of them because I was like young I was like two three years younger than them and things like that so it was definitely like one side of it but yeah. it was it just used to like upset me it's like I'm not trying to be this other person like I'm trying to and like we I found this review from the REP like not Campazia oh yes I saw about this posted yeah. that and it was like just full of like lazy comparisons to Paramore um, and then there was some to like and again it was just like oh it's really refreshing for like a girl and this and like it was like the review wasn't like slating anything it was yeah. just like oh god that was like that and it's not really like that as much now yeah I mean I still like it still does my head in when like people in groups on Facebook like post like oh like I want some female fronted bands to listen to it's like uh, you can I've... just say bands with women in them yeah <laughs> yeah or like non-male bands it, it's made me feel bad because I've written from a young age like yeah. before becoming politically aligned at all, having any sort of political, you know, when I was just writing about the music and you know, it makes me feel a little bit guilty for forever writing the phrase but, female fronted. But it became a genre, didn't mm. it? And like we, we like made shirts and tote bags when we first started out saying like kamikaze girls just another female fronted band um, <laughs> for ages. We have to bring them back at some point. Absolutely. But, I feel like they would really like they would sell out pretty quickly. Yeah, though. well they have every time we've done them, but don't really want to cash in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, it's like I'm glad that it's not as prominent as it was. Yeah. Like I think there's still there's still loads of issues. Like the speech that Heim did was it like last night, a couple of nights ago, at oh, like an award show. I didn't see this. Yeah, it's it's been floating around this morning, like saying like if you ever if you're like not if you're a non-male and you've ever felt intimidated when you've walked into a guitar shop or a studio or a sound yeah. check. It's just like, yeah, it's more of that, more of that's good. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about Seafoam, because it's been nearly a year down the line now. Um, with, with the sort of uh, progression that it made from uh, Sad, I, I certainly noticed in the vocal delivery and what you were singing about, um, it, when, when did you kind of... Did you say that you were more comfortable after Sad with, um, oh god, I don't know how to really say it, but like, <laughs> but like with songs like KG Go to the Pub. Yeah. When when I saw you perform that at the Alex in Southampton, um, I mean it didn't help where uh, one of the support bands I think had come to you before the set and said, "Oh, some guy broke me." Before. No, that was me. That, Fuck. Right. Okay. <laughs> Some guy like had come up to me and like grabbed me by the waist mm. during the support band, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this happened on yeah. our own show." But whatever. Um, he left. It's fine. Um, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't wouldn't say I'm necessarily more confident. Probably just feel better. Like, yeah. Feel more comfortable talking about it. Yeah. 
because it's been a really it's been a really tough few months obviously with I mean you know social media has been a very horrible place to sort of be at the moment I don't think it's even worth ignoring the events of the last few months or like brushing it over but like what's what's been really really tough for me is um, you know being a and bear with me on this being like a, a cis white dude in the music scene and saying without trying to play the victim what 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 can I do to to help tackle this what what can I do you know I've got friends which are sharing their experiences and I, I feel horrible about it not because you know I'm, I'm culpable or anything but yeah, just cause it's it, horrible, isn't yeah, it? yeah. And, and it makes me feel really like it's really tough to know what I can do as a cis white male in this scene to to help tackle what's going on yeah, I think it's. I, th- I think like there's loads of stuff about that because um, Connor like uh, where every now and then when Connor gets asked like about that, he's like in the same position as well. But like a lot of the stuff like you know like I I don't just like I, I write like 99% of our lyrics, but like you know Connor had as much say in KG go to the pub as I did. Yeah. Like do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's lines in there that he wrote. There's lines. In there that I wrote that was very much us like coming together with mm. our experience from working in bars and like Connor like going to bars with me or his girlfriend or like other like non-male friends and I think it's just more like being aware mm. and then like standing up for yeah. other people and get, having other people's back and I think that's like all you can do because obviously like some sometimes it's there's we've, there's a lot of work to do and there's a fine line between like of people like yourself that want to help but also like not taking like somebody else's face that has yeah. stuff to say about that yeah as well. exactly so it's, it's, it's doing it without it's, seeming like you're playing the victim or something yeah yeah it's like it's like a hard it's like a hard balance with everything Ooh. isn't it um, but like yeah I think it's just it's just like it's just being supportive and like yeah. knowing you know like backing up like new like information mm. and like helpful articles and stuff and yeah. like helping educate people that don't understand things like if, that if anything it's helped me sort of uh, you know read more and, and listen yeah. to more listen to more stuff lyrically yeah. and reading more articles and it can just be something as simple as supporting the music and, yeah. and doing what you would do usually in terms of buying the t-shirts and buying the the vinyl or the like the zines or the limited tape runs or something yeah. even and that can be a, a show of support yeah like um, it's because the demo the demographic of my zine it's at the moment it's actually 60% male 40% everything else yeah and to me I'm just like that's mental because it's it's celebrating like non-males like yeah. but at the same time it's like if 60% of the people that are buying my like feminist zine like cool like that's good mm. so that's like it's a nice thing and it's not a nice thing so like I want to get into like loads of people's hands but like I think it's cool that the interest rate is like high because it means people are reading what all these like women and non-binary and mm. transgender people have to say and that's it so can't really like complain and like so like Connor like Connor's like if you ever meet him he's like the nicest guy I think I met him briefly at Trees and he'll probably always talk to you about football Um, but like what loads of people don't know about Connor is that like the team he supports Geisley um 
they're a little lot non-league team from Leeds way. Like he goes to those games and he hangs out with all the older men that are racist, that are homophobic, that are transphobic, and he takes his St. Pauli like refugees welcome scarf and a flag and like he like and he like tells them off and he gets into Twitter arguments with them about football stuff. But that's like that's something that Connor identifies with and it's that's him like doing his bit to educate. We, we, we had that the other day. Um, I went I went to my first ever sort of pro wrestling show because I'm oh, a really sick. big pro wrestling I like fan. Wrestling too. Um, uh, oh man, we could have done the whole podcast on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was during the the only women's wrestling game that they uh, match that they had on the card, and some absolute assholes started chanting. You know, they started shouting random words. I like. I think I heard one bloke shout "tits" at one oh, point. Right. It's like, yeah, and, and we managed to shut them down just by chanting women's wrestling, like something that simple. Was and it? Was that a progress show? Yeah, it was at Rev Pro. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah. So I know progress. Uh, the thing I love. I won't get into wrestling, but the thing I love about progress wrestling in London is that they're like really inclusive. Mm. Um, they did like a really cool shirt that said like everybody's welcome and things yeah. like that. So yeah, that's for another time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that was an awesome podcast, if I may say so myself. That was Bitch and Brew, episode number 18, with Lucinda Livingstone. Uh, she is in a band called Kamikaze Girls, and their debut album is called Sea Foam, and is out now on Big Scary Monsters. The band are going out on tour through the UK and Europe, starting March 5th, and that's going on throughout the month. They're opening for The World is a Beautiful Place, and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die. Uh, Lucinda's done some solo shows as well in April, one of which is at Washed Out Festival in Brighton. I don't have the dates in front of me, but I believe you can find those on the Kamikaze Girls Facebook page, so I'll leave a link in the description. Uh, also should mention Lady Fuzz Fest on May 12th at the Green Door Store in Brighton. Uh, there's going to be live music from uh, the likes of Doe and Personal Best and The Winter Passing and uh, loads more great bands. There's going to be a record and Zine Fair 2 is going to be a lovely time. Uh, don't forget as well, 10% off Lady Fuzz and Kamikaze Girls merch at, with the code BITCHINBREW, all one word, all capped up, no apostrophe, at the checkout. That's valid for one week only, so that'll expire at midnight on Friday, March 9th. So get yourself over to Lady Fuzz dot limited run dot com that's ladyfuzz dot limited run dot com and use the code bitch and brew to get 10% off at the checkout that is nearly it for another episode of bitch and brew but before i go it's time to premiere the debut track from a band called talk shop now this is a um a supergroup of sorts. It features members from great bands such as uh, Muncie Girls and Blue Stragglers and She Crazy, some very talented musicians that I'm very lucky to call friends. And the song I'm about to play you is taken from their three-track demo EP, which you can check out now on their Bandcamp page, which you can find a link for in the description. If you're a fan of bands like Beach Slang and Pup, um, as well as bands like The Hotelier, then I think you're going to love this 
this band. Um, and I know I've mentioned Brighton a lot on this podcast, but if you are listening to this on the day of release, uh, March 2nd, 2018, Talkshop are playing their first ever show tonight. They're opening for Happy Accidents at Sticky Mike's Frog Bar. I sadly can't be there, uh, but go go and have a beer and have some have some fun on my behalf. Um, as ever, don't forget to subscribe to Bitchin' Brew uh, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast. Tell all of your friends on social media. I mean, you've heard all that crap by now. I'll leave you with Talkshop and their debut track. This is called Personal Best. And you've been listening to the Bitchin' Brew podcast. Thanks and peace out.